Hello and welcome to another episode of The Long Finish. I am your host, Tug Coker, and I'm here as always with my wife and co-host, Catherine Weil Coker. How are you doing tonight, Catherine? I'm great. How are you? So good. <laughs> so good. It's hot. We've had a we've had a long day with the kiddos, but we are thriving. We're keeping We're just, it positive. We are. The, the the forty minutes before the podcast was just a a rant session. Yeah, so then we got it all we out. Got it out the system. So we're ready to just talk about the good stuff in life, yep. you know? We're post July 4th and uh, we're moving on to the back half of the year. Who knows what we got in store for the next I'll six tell months. you what we got in store. It's called Groundhog Day. Same thing over and over again? Well, actually, you know, in many people's lives probably, but not in ours. I mean, restaurants guidelines are changing on a dime. So, not really. We're kind of like we got to stay on our feet. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because that's going to be the topic for tonight's episode. So with that, hello and welcome to episode 39 of The Long Finish. Thank you as always to those that continue to listen to the show. If you're here for the first time, welcome. Lots of fun tonight. We're going to be talking about what it's like to be running a restaurant in 2020. Whew. That's a big topic. And tonight we're going to be talking about a wine that is on the new expanded by the glass list over at Esther's. So, Catherine, what are we drinking tonight? Tonight, we are drinking the Brock Cellars Love White 2019 from California. It is a beautiful, unfiltered, golden yellow color. Super refreshing for tonight. Uh, you can get it by the bottle or by the glass at Esther's, as mentioned. But we're going to be talking about this tonight. So much to discuss. But yeah, we just want to recap. Why are we so tired? Well, we're taping this on Sunday night, typically a day off for Catherine. Part of our rant session was there's just no days off. There's no days off for us and probably for a lot of you out there. Well, any parent of any parent, period, especially parents of the young ones, but really any parent, like your job doesn't end ever, no. even when you're sleeping. <laughs> it's just a long day. We were at the park today. We had a picnic with some one friend couple that we've been potting that I've, with that I've well, been potting with I've quarantined pot, that's with, our word that's yeah. their they're chosen, in our we've our chosen family. one couple <laughs> to hang out with over the last 2 months and that's this is that couple Tom and Crystal and their daughter and the point of this being we're still watching three kids you know for the next 2 hours watching them run uh, you know they're in Santa Monica all the playgrounds are taped off with police tape so you can't go on them but what do those look like to kids? Like fun. Yeah. So all like, they want to do is go under the tape yeah. and then you spend and, and you, two hours getting them to not do yeah. that. You chase them down. They scream. So that's what our day looked like today. So anyway, let's go ahead and transition to the big topic of the night. I'm ready to get into this too because I want to hear your thoughts. But I think what will be fun is to talk about what's going on at Esther's right now, what you heard last week when they decided to close some of the indoor dining, and just protocols for people out there who will be guests should they go out to restaurants, what they should be looking for from restaurants to know that those restaurants are doing the proper things to keep everybody safe. Right. So there are very specific guidelines from the county, from the city, from the state. And we're talking about California here. California yeah. health guidelines, things that restaurants have to do to keep employees and 
patrons super safe. So I will talk about some of those, but we are abiding by all of those rules and just keep practicing them every day. So we reopened for business on the 23rd of June. We had three tables inside and I don't know, 12 tables outside or something. We're allowed to open with a decreased capacity, tables spaced six feet apart. So that's what we're doing. But this past week, there was an announcement about restaurants closing because cases are really rising in Southern California, specifically in Los Angeles. And it was really a bit confusing for me because I got some information from the mayor's office in LA saying it was all restaurants were closing. They could only be takeout and delivery. And then there was an announcement from our governor that said restaurants could be open for outdoor dining. And so I took, you know, three hours to sort of decipher what was actually going on. And turns out the mayor supported the governor and we could do outdoor dining. But through all of that, my staff kind of got put through the ringer, which was horrible for them, not knowing what we were doing and why. And I said, listen, we're going to go with what the county and what the city permits. And that's just what we'll keep doing throughout this entire pandemic. And we're going to go with what the county and city suggests or mandates as far as our safety guidelines, which we have been doing from the very second that we opened. So that's what we're doing. We've got 12 tables outside. They're really spaced apart. And we are keeping the safety practices real, which means guests have to wear a mask at all times unless they're eating or drinking. They sanitize their hands upon entering. They limit their stay to an hour and a half, 90 minutes, and we only seat complete parties. So when all of the guests arrive, then we seat the parties. And we don't see parties of more than six. We have had a few people request a table for eight or seven, and we can't do that. We can split them up into two separate tables, which we do, but there's not like mingling between the tables that's not permitted because the idea is not to socialize with folks that are outside of your own home, your family, your roommates. So that's what we're doing. And all of our employees wear masks. And when they're in contact with guests that are not wearing masks, they're wearing face shields and they're using gloves to bust tables. We're sanitizing as often as humanly possible. We're washing our hands as often as humanly possible. And we're making as little contact with guests as we possibly can while still offering excellent, warm service. And that's it. I do have a couple questions. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Things that the guests should be aware of that are, are slightly different in the change from the service that they had pre-coronavirus. One example being busing of tables, right? These are just things that the guests should understand. Staff is not going to bust tables until the very end, correct? Yep. The two guidelines are one they're not going to refill water or wine and they're not going to bust the table until the very end because the goal is to spend as little time as possible at your table that's it so hopefully guests are happy with that because they don't want to spend a ton of time talking to someone else or having them within six feet you've been on the floor you've served food you're wearing the mask and the shield and it's engendered some sort of feeling in you right so describe what the feeling that you're feeling with those masks are so that maybe the guests when they go sit at these restaurants will have some empathy with what's going on with the, the staff as well well I'll just say for yeah. me personally the reason that I probably have stuck with the hospitality business for so many years now it's got to be nearly 20 years now is because I always was able to make connections with guests and tables and talk about things and turn them on to new wines and new things and just in a sense it was a little bit of a 
performance and I just got a lot of energy from that. But it's very different wearing the face shield. Now with the mask, I'm wearing a mask, you're wearing a mask, we're sort of on the same playing field. You can't see if I'm smiling, but we can still sort of sense each other and make contact. But when I'm wearing a face shield, it really is just a different vibe. It's a cutoff. You know, I can sense that if I know a customer and they know me, they see me and we can still have that connection. But if they don't know me and they only see the face shield and the mask, I'm pretty much looking at me like I'm a robot. And I've gotten that feedback from all of our staff as well. You know, it's so hard for guests to actually see the human behind the face shield. It's a totally different thing if you're in a hospital or you're talking to a doctor. That's exactly what you expect to see when you go there. But in a restaurant, this is very new stuff. And so where a server has always felt like, yes, they're serving food, but they can make connections with people and turn them on to new things. Now they kind of really feel like a server and a robot in a sense, because that connection is cut short. It's tough. Totally understand and have empathy for that. You all are doing the best you can to limit the contact between the staff and the guests. One thing you're also doing is adding a little way for the guests to see the menu on their phones, right? Yes, I didn't mention that. So we have a QR code, which basically means guests can put their phone over the little code when they come right to the host stand. That pulls the menu up on their phone. They don't even need a paper menu. They can look at that and makes it pretty easy and we have less waste. So I'm really into that. We do have menus if people want them. That's fine. But. We had a basically an all Rustic Canyon restaurant team meeting last week with a lot of the chefs, Catherine and myself were there as well, talking about ways to survive this time period. And one of the things that was really hitting home for all of us was the idea of how to use tech during this time so that you could potentially order and pay with minimal contact from the staff. Maybe you bring the staff on to ask a question about the wine, etc. But we're being really thoughtful about ways to minimize the interaction between the guest and the staff while the guests can still enjoy like what we think is an amazing experience at Esther's with the patio that is so spacious and feels relaxing and lush and we not have to worry about the energy between staff yeah and, and we're, we're considering all different kinds of possibilities we thought about a counter model well, guests would just order at a counter and would be less contact with the server but then we're talking about maybe guests could order from their table via their phone and text the psalm at the bar if they had questions of course we will have someone available always but you know just to minimize that contact how do we make it safer there's an area in santa monica called main street where they've actually done a really cool job of moving some of the outdoor seating onto parking spaces and they've closed the the road a little bit so restaurants can kind of add seats down the parking areas it's really cool it's something that i've been trying to look into where we are on 7th street because there's any chance to just add more tables to outside and esther's is lucky because we have a lot of outside tables but that seems to be the key of course right now because indoor seating is closed but i think going forward i think there's just a level of comfort people have sitting outdoors would you agree absolutely all the science is showing that that just being outdoors and plus in Santa Monica, you're not really, that's where you want to be anyway. Well, that's one thing I think of people are realizing now, right? Like Los Angeles doesn't have like a real big showing of outdoor seating. It's so weird. Yeah. Like the weather here is like our number one yeah. advantage. Huge draw. Of, like why wouldn't every restaurant have a giant patio? But 
It's funny. It doesn't. Well, people converting parking lots and now and, they will. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The last thing I want to say is, what can you tell potential listeners that would be guests? What do they need to be doing, thinking about to make sure that they they're doing their part to make sure that they're staying safe, the staff is staying safe, but they're also enjoying the experience to the fullest. I mean, it's everything that I mentioned earlier. It's wearing a mask and it's following the guidelines that we simply give at the host stand and that the server will reiterate. It makes it safe and easy for everyone. But I would also say that if you are dining out at other spots, that you take a look for those things that I mentioned before. You make sure that everyone that you're in contact with is wearing a mask in the proper way that's covering their nose and their mouth. And that the servers that are in contact with you while you're eating and drinking, while you have your mask off, have a face shield on because that's protecting them from you. And I don't know, I'd be kind of nervous to go to a place that wasn't following those rules. I agree with you. I've been taking some walks. One thing I've been excited about is Santa Monica and Los Angeles have relaxed their cocktails to go program. I call it walktails, if you will. Maybe walk three, four, five miles, have two drinks. I feel like that's a great way to I don't know, burn some calories. But I've been doing that and watching how other restaurants work. And there's some places that I wanted to go to. I'm not going to name them. But I went into one place that I wanted to eat. It was like a to-go place that I've always wanted to go to. And I saw one of the cooks wearing a mask, but not above his nose. It was below his nose. And I couldn't eat there. I just didn't feel comfortable enough to eat there. And some other restaurants I've seen where staff or servers are just wearing masks. I know that's maybe okay, but it's not what the health code is saying right it's not what exactly and they're not being protected from the customers which that's not fair to them and also like they're just in a vulnerable position it's not it's not right. There's a real chance that Corona will probably hit a majority of places, families, restaurants even. Of but course, like, there's no reason not to take every precaution, right? Yeah. And we aren't going to know what precautions really work until it hits all these places. And then if it hits and like it doesn't spread to everyone and it can just like be isolated, we'll know that the safety practices really, really work. And it's going to be the same thing for schools or businesses that reopen. It's kind of going to be a trial by error. Like, let's practice this safety stuff. And if cases don't spread throughout this office or throughout this classroom, then then it works, you know? So we know that people are conflicted about whether to go out to restaurants. We understand that and empathize with that. So if you are looking to go out there, I would say just make sure you monitor the things we've talked about today. Make sure they're doing these things. And if you feel like they're following these health standards to the nth degree, then you should feel comfortable that you're doing everything you can. It's like minimizing risk, right? Exactly. But if you don't feel comfortable to go out, know that you can still support the places that you absolutely will love and keep them in business with takeout and delivery and retail. And that matters. I'm glad you said that because you can get the wine that we're going to be drinking tonight via retail at Esther's and many other places. Yeah. Potentially in California and throughout the country. Definitely. So let's go ahead and transition into the wine that we're talking about tonight. This is a wine right up my alley, I will say. And we'll get into why that is. But, Catherine, can you remind the audience what we're drinking tonight? So tonight we have the Brock Cellars Love White. It's a white wine, 2019. Vintage 2019 from California. And I'll get into more specifics about where in California, but the legal appellation is California. Before all of that, let's do a tasting of this and then get into it. Let's do it. So as I mentioned earlier, this is just a beautiful, intense kind of electric yellow or like a yellow gold, and it's unfiltered. Our wine is chilled, so 
that adds to the fact that you it's not crystal clear, but even when it's in the bottle and not chilled, you can just tell that there's sediment in it. There's stuff in there. When I look through it, I can see my ring, but it's definitely a little hazy. I'm going to swirl my glass. The legs are coming down fairly quickly. They're not hanging on too long, and they aren't terribly fat. I would say it's about average. Not a super high alcohol wine from the looks of it. Let me check it out. 11.5%. Love that. That's great. All right. Let's put our nose in it. Immediately, I get this kind of bruised apple, sort of, or red apple, pear, peach, a very ripe pear, a very ripe peach, lemon too, like lemon rind, but like lemon curd as well. It's really fruity, but there's a lot of other stuff too. I get some white flowers, crushed rock, maybe a little fennel, and then the big one, there's that butter. Little oakiness, little butter, little vanilla. Oops, I just touched the glass to the mic. <laughs> the combination of that that like peach pear and the vanilla and butter is just really so appealing. This is just like a really pretty nose. It's very, very intoxicating. All right, let's taste it. Much more apple-y on the palate. I mean, the apple was part of the like fruit bouquet on the nose, but it's really apple-y on the palate. Definitely get that bitter citrus rind as well, that like lemon lemon peel on the palate as well. Little bit of that bitter finish, which is nice because it had su- it's such a fruity nose. It's nice to have that bitterness on the palate. It starts out with the fruit and then that bitterness just lingers. I would say this is medium body. Because it feels creamy and then it's kind of washed away. It's got medium acidity. It's dry. It's truly pleasurable. The creaminess on the palate comes somewhat from the grape varieties, but I can tell some of it comes from the oak as well. It's just really rounded on the first part of your palate. It's just nice. It's really creamy. Can I say creamy again? Yeah, it's the word of the day. But you mentioned the creaminess and the roundedness, which is not necessarily something that you and I would go towards, but we still really enjoy this wine. And part of it's, I think, you mentioned this off air, that if you're looking for a Chardonnay equivalent, this kind of fits the bill. I would think that a Chardonnay drinker would really enjoy this wine, Uh, particularly a California Chardonnay lover because of that fruity, fruity nose, because it does have that vanilla and oak, because it has that creaminess on the palate. The difference is it doesn't have a huge, just overwhelming mouthfeel and alcohol. You know, the alcohol is very, is modest for what it is. And that creaminess and body sort of stops midway through your palate and then it flattens out with just like a, well, to say it again, a bitterness or just um, a savoriness. You know, it doesn't finish sweet. And I think that's what makes you want to keep drinking it because it does, it is fruity, but it is not not sweet in any way. Remind us what the varietals are in the wine. We haven't even talked about that. I was going to say. So let's get into it. This is a blend made by Chris Brockway at Brock Cellars. And I'll get into Brock Cellars in a second. But this blend is Marsan, Peak Pool, 
Roussan, and Grenache Blanc, all grape varieties that are native to southern France. But most are widely planted in California, with the exception of Peak Pool. Don't see a ton of Peak Pool around, but definitely Marsan Roussan and Grenache Blanc, and those often go together in the Southern Rhone. And in the Southern Rhone, it's warm. These grape varieties like the heat, and they are full-bodied, and they do well with a little bit of oak, as we can see in this wine. So he ferments all these separately, and then they're aged in neutral French oak. They're fermented with native yeast. He doesn't add anything to the wine with the not even sulfur. Uh, Some of his wines, he does add a little bit of sulfur, but not to this at all. And you can tell when you're looking at it, because we were talking about the unfiltered nature of it, it's totally natural wine. And so all these grapes come from Love Ranch. What a great name, huh? And this vineyard is about 35 miles south of Yosemite in Madeira. So it's Central Valley, California, pretty warm, really high elevation, about 1300 feet in elevation, but it's warm. And so they do a lot of management in the vineyard to make sure that the grapes don't get overripe. And I think they did a pretty great job with this. It doesn't taste overly ripe or sugary in any way. Lots of granitic schist in this vineyard and it's certified organic. So that's awesome. Granitic schist being granite yeah. schist. You roll just past granitic schist, like well, everyone yeah, knows. That's a that's a, like such a wine thing to do, right? Yeah. It it's like written in a tech note. This was a asphalted uh, clay. It's like your high school punk band. I'm just kidding. We are granitic know. schist. <laughs> that's a great. That's a great <laughs> band name. I want to make T-shirts. Granitic schist. <laughs> Now that I'm sipping it again, I get like a honey character to this too, like beeswax and honey. Mm. So Chris Brockway, pretty cool guy. He's from Omaha, Nebraska originally, fell into wine, made his way to the Pacific Northwest, Seattle, went to UC Davis. He spent some time in LA, I believe, and ended up in Berkeley. And he has an urban winery called Brock Cellars in Berkeley. Basically a warehouse, but you can taste there too. And so he doesn't own any vineyards. He sources fruit from throughout California. And he only works with sites that he's really excited about that, you know, showcase their terroir. And he's very specific about minimal intervention and at the very least, sustainable farming. Now, most vineyards that he works with go beyond that. This is certified organic, but he makes that the baseline. And he never uses anything in the wine. Very rarely even uses sulfur. So he's really a great winemaker to know and one of the leaders in this urban winemaking trend. Yeah, I think Brock makes so many great wines. So So many. We've had so many different wines on the shelf from him over the years and I'm just a super fan. He always works with really fun varieties. We had a Lagrine uh, Rosé earlier this year that he made. We've had some Nero de Avila. Love his Zinfandel always, which is a more common grape variety than some that he uses. But he makes great Chenin Blanc. Like, he just works with fun grapes. His labels are always really, I don't know if whimsical is the right word, but they're usually like hand-drawn and they have this kind of homemade, like such a warm feeling to them. People are just always drawn into that. So why'd you want to put this wine on the expanded by the class list to reopen Esther's? 
Well, I'm always looking for whites for Chardonnay lovers that aren't just Chardonnay. You know, other bigger whites that appeal to those drinkers because I think it's a fun way to get them out of their comfort zone. And I have a whole section called If You Like Chardonnay. It can't just be Chardonnay. Um, so sometimes Chenin Blanc is in there. Some These are Rhone varieties. They make sense in there. I've even had an Albarino that was aged in oak in that section before. Now, also in that section, I do have Chardonnay as well. And right now we have Chablis, a petite Chablis in that section as well. So it kind of will show the range of Chardonnay, but also bigger grape varieties and bigger white wines and what they can be like. And that's one of the reasons I like this wine is because sometimes it's not every day you want to drink Chardonnay, but sometimes you just have a hankering for Chardonnay and you want it to be low alcohol. And so this is a perfect fit, even though it's not Chardonnay. It's nice to drink something that feels like a Chardonnay, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. There's kind of an indulgence to me in a bigger white wine that has a little bit of oak on it. It feels indulgent. I I, like that. You're you're hitting on something I think that we need more of in 2020, which is it's such a stressful year. Having a little bit of indulgence feels like a reward. And so this wine feels like a little bit of a reward for you as we all go through this really intense grind that is 2020. Two questions I always ask you. Start with the first one. What's a good food pairing for this wine? Well, I was actually thinking about what we had tonight. You made some delicious pork chops tonight. We had some roasted potatoes and green veggies and this just pork chop you had marinating all day. Fantastic. No, it's a meat. But so that apple quality kind of, you know, pork and apple totally. is such a good combination. And it has like enough body to hold up to the pork, but it doesn't weigh it down at all be awesome. I think it's a great summer white to have outside with, I don't know, I was thinking of a fried chicken sandwich, you know, just something like kind of crispy and fatty that this would be refreshing, but a little bit buttery and yummy, fruity. It's a great call. Now, how do we guide some of our listeners to go out and find a wine like this, if not this wine, a similar wine at one of their local wine stores? Well, I think if you like Chardonnay is a great kind of place to start. Uh, I like Chardonnay, but I want to try a bigger white wine, but not Chardonnay. What do you have? That's a great question to start with. You can also look for white wines from the Rhone Valley or from Southern France. You can look for any of these varieties from California. Like I said, Marsan, Roussan, Grenache Blanc, or a blend of Rhone varieties from any domestic producer. That would be a great place to start. You can also get this wine at Esther's. You could try a sip by the glass or get it by the bottle. And you can order it directly from Brock Sellers on their website. I will say, we talked about this as a Chardonnay comp, but I don't know if I drink that much Southern Rhone white. I mean, really. So this is kind of a cool experience as well. It's true. We don't drink that much of it. This is a great version. Domestic version. Great domestic version. It's a wine I know you can get in and around California and probably some other parts of the country. So go out and look for Brock wines and ask for, like Catherine said, something that is close to a Chardonnay, but maybe not a Chardonnay. It's a good place to start. All right. Now we come to the last portion of the evening, which is what has been inspiring us this week. I will go first. This is simple. We're all trying to figure out ways to exercise and keep sane by moving our body during this time. I have not gone back to my gym, which apparently has reopened. I'm trying to find ways to work out. And often the workouts are like 15 to 20 minutes because that's all the time I have before I have to go run back to my kids. So I found a trainer on Instagram 
who is sort of known as a trainer to the stars. His name is Don Saladino. You can find his Twitter at his name. Don Saladino. I think he's trained Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski. The list goes on and on. But during this quarantine shelter-in-place season, for lack of a better term, he's created some workouts at home. Where are you working out with no weights? I have no weights. Some people have kettlebells coming. I don't have anything. So if you're like me and have nothing going on, he's given you several workouts to do where you're doing doing them by yourself, just sort of like using your own body weight, etc. And he's also tipped me off to a clock called Tabata, T-A-B-A-T-A. It's an app and allows you to schedule your own time for how long you want to work out, what your intervals are, what your rest time is. It counts it down for you. I think it's like a super cool app. How cool is that? It talks to you. It like counts down. It says rest and it counts you in like three, two, one, begin again. And and you get to set it for yourself. It's really, really cool. This has been one of the highlights for me is using the different programs that Don Saladino has put together and using something that he's tipped me off to, which is the Tabata app, T-A-B-A-T-A. So check that out if you're looking for ways to energize your workouts at home and look for Don Saladino on Instagram. We all got to be working out. Got to move our body. That is majorly impressive. Does he have workouts for people that haven't worked out in six plus years? Yes, he does have does a, he? haven't worked out in one year, five year, six year and 10 year program. <laughs> so just look for that for you. So that's what's inspiring me this week. Catherine, what do you have? Well, I got another poem for you this week. Hey, it's Catherine's poem time. You know, I'm being honest here. These are the things that inspire me. So here you go. He ate and drank the precious words. His spirit grew robust. He knew no more that he was poor, nor that his frame was dust. He danced along the dingy days, and this bequest of wings was but a book. What liberty! A loosened spirit brings. Ah, that's me. My best friend, Maura Malloy, sent that to me. Thank you, Maura. That's it. A book. A book is the best therapy in the world. And thank you to Emily Dickinson. That's her. That's Emily Dickinson. Who else would it be? I don't know. Well, Emily Dickinson. Pretty she, good. She lifts you out of your. <laughs> she lifts the spirit, man. Heard of her. Definitely. Yeah. Heard of her. Well, that's great. Anyway, I'm, I don't think I need to say anything else. I agree. Speaks for itself. I agree. Let's go ahead and end it there. <laughs> that's episode thirty-nine. Episode 39 of The Long Finish is in the books. Thank you again to everyone for continuing to listen to the show. If you have an opportunity to rate, review, and subscribe to the show, it means so much to us. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a few free seconds to give us five stars and a a small rating, it would be awesome for us. Thank you to those who have done it so far. Catherine, where can they find you and The Long Finish on social media? You can find me at Catherine Weil Coker on Instagram and Facebook and The Long Finish at The Long Finish on Instagram and Facebook. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Tug Coker. You can find The Long Finish on Twitter at TLF Pod. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back for the rest of July with new episodes. Who knows what we've got in store? Everyone out there, have a great week. Stay safe, stay healthy, practice social distancing, and happy drinking. Ciao.